Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into full slate of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on Gambling Twitter at Undercover, Greg, we are back with our regular weekly NFL whip around rotation podcast as week one is slowly but surely. Well, I guess it's here, even though you still have a couple days here before it's here, here with the first Sunday. Nonetheless, an impressive win for the Bills in Southern California at SoFi on Thursday night to kick things off for the 2022 NFL season. As I said, my name is Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. Give the podcast a follow as well as we're going to bring in our jack of all trades, Alex Uplinger at full underscore slate underscore pod is where you can find him. Alex, good to be back, my man. How we doing? Greg, feels great to be back, man. I'm super excited for this week. Didn't get off to the hottest of starts. I did have the Rams, so I was pretty fucking disappointed. It was a fun first half, and then the Rams just fucking imploded. So I had the Rams as well, but on an even worse level, and I think you and I are both pretty anti-teaser. How many people already lost their teaser on the Rams going up through the three and the seven? <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what you're looking for. You're getting through the two key numbers right. at home, defending at home, champs. You defending think that's champs. When are you great, ever going to get the Rams that high in a teaser? Yeah, exactly. It looked great before the game. It looked great at half, and then, uh, like I said, they just imploded. Couldn't do shit. It's really bad. Yeah, Stafford I mean, bad. listen, like, we all came into the year thinking, oh, like, gosh, this whole Matt Stafford elbow thing, little funky, what's going on there? And now, after one game, I think our concerns are only amplified there, you would think, right? Yeah, I completely agree. I was putting a ton of stock into that until I was reading more reports, you know, recently this week and didn't seem to be as big of a deal, but I thought it was a huge concern previously. And I, against my better judgment, I played the Rams. I think more so they're missing Robert Woods. It just Allen Robinson is not a, a clear second. Yeah, he's just you know. not that good. Like, honestly, I feel like every year. It's I don't like, think well, Allen Robinson, you know, finally has a quarterback. You know, maybe Justin Fields will be good. And, oh, now he's got Matt Ryan, or uh, Matt Stafford. So this will be the guy that really gets the most out of Allen Robinson. Like, maybe he's just not that good. I, I don't think he's a, a true two. Like, I think he got some great stats put up in garbage time on bad teams. But 
if you were watching the game closely, he just he looked slow. He wasn't really getting off the ball. He wasn't getting open. Yeah. He had two targets on the entire game. Yeah, no, I, I totally, totally agree. And, I mean, you talked a little bit before we jumped on here about the McVay play calling, which it was fucking embarrassing. Bad too, so it was it's, just a bad it's night. so embarrassing. Like, as, like, a younger coach thought of one of the better offensive minds, and he just – he runs the ball into the fucking line every single first down, just about. Just straight in the line, just gives up the first down play every single time with a run. And he saw the Bills in the first half. They threw on every single first down. And right. they looked great. Yeah. Yeah, it's – it was a bad night for the Rams. I mean, there's no two ways about it. And Buffalo looked like the Super Bowl favorites, so – uh, it's crazy, by the way. I don't really bet it. I did bet Baltimore twenty to one in the out in the Super Bowl market, but I, I saw like the Bills. A lot of shops are below four to one to win the Super Bowl. Like that's crazy. Oh yeah, I think I saw. I think I saw some three to ones. I mean, like, yeah, I I also took the Ravens. If I'm investing in a year long future, I'm not taking anything below like fifteen to one. Give me right. the give me the twenty to ones. Give me a sprinkle on some like Kirk Cousins MVP fifty to one. I'm not sitting for six months on on four to one, five yeah, to one. Win the Super Get the fuck out of here! Yeah. It's, it's not even it's not even worth your bet. Well, you mentioned the Ravens, and without further ado, let's jump into it as we're going to move in rotation order here, and we'll get started uh, with. And I often say on this podcast, there's never been a revenge game that I haven't liked. Uh, I've never met a revenge game I haven't liked. Well. We may have found one because Joe Flacco will start for the New York Jets at home against the Baltimore Ravens. I don't even know if we can call it a revenge game because he did win them a Super Bowl and kind of left on good terms. But regardless, Baltimore is seven-point road favorite total in this game, sitting at about 44 and the hook. I don't want anything to do with this game, only because I don't like laying touchdowns on the road. Uh, Baltimore obviously going to be very public here, but... No way in hell am I touching the Jets. Uh, you know, total, not much of a lean or like on on this game for me either. On this podcast, if you're new, we always talk about corner TV at the bar on Sunday type games that nobody really wants to watch. But you go to a bar that has every game on, you'll find it on the smallest TV. This This has that kind of potential for sure, as does the next game. But, Alex, nothing for me really here in Baltimore and the Jets. Yeah, I completely agree. This is one of those very sleepy games. And something about it being on CBS, you know, Ravens, at least here in the D.C. market, that's always a CBS game. Just feels a little sleepier on CBS. The AFC, I don't know why. Just that Ravens-Jets on CBS feels very boring. I do know the Ravens are really, really good when they have extra rest. They're 27-15-2 against a spread under Harbaugh with at least 10 days to prepare for a game, which includes week one. So that would be something. Season only, that doesn't include playoff five? Yeah, exactly. So that would be something to consider. I would have to look to the Ravens, but just it's going to be a very, very public play. You know, this is going to be every survivor pick. This is going to be every teaser leg getting the Ravens down to one, so just essentially win the game. I considered it 
I don't love teasers that much, but I was considering it. I'm ultimately, yeah, I'm not going to play anything here. I Let's just, move I on. Do love, I do love a revenge. We we love the revenge of the Joe Flacco, but like yeah. you said, there's there's probably not much revenge here, and I just you can't trust Joe Flacco to to cover this even on the back door. Yeah, today. right. Exactly. Like, is Flacco really gonna? milk together a late drive you know i mean he would be the person that would front door it right and like <laughs> turn yeah, the ball over six. when the game's yeah. over if this was mike white starting for the jets i might i might consider <laughs> yeah, right we might like it more yeah all right uh let's move forward and go to as i said the next game on the rotation is also one that uh probably inspires a similar type of uh you know corner tv at the bar feeling as it is a divisional game as the new orleans saints head to hotlanta to take on the atlanta falcons new orleans laying five and the hook on the road in this one total sitting at 43 we both talked about new orleans being a team i actually bet them to win the nfc south uh we'll get to tampa a little bit later on but obviously a lot of uh, question marks in tampa with Brady being at such an advanced age and the offensive line concerns that manifested themselves in the offseason for the Bucks. So I'm interested in New Orleans season long. Obviously, when Tampa was going well the last few years, we still saw New Orleans have a lot of head-to-head success against the Bucks. And last year, uh, when Jameis Winston tore his ACL, New Orleans was looking pretty good to, at the very least, make the playoffs and perhaps win the division. So interested in New Orleans from a season-long perspective. But I think this is a tricky spot to trust them in in week one. Five and a half on the road in a divisional game. You're going to hear us talk about divisional home dogs quite a bit over the course of the whole season. But in week one, it is even more apropos to go to the window with this trend. Since 2014, 29-9-1 against the spread. That's a 76% conversion rate. Week one underdogs uh, in division games. So you love hearing that. And Atlanta does match that trend. Uh, So one last thing I will say here, which I want to get to later on because it's something that uh, definitely applies to one of my plays in this week's rotation. But, I mean, if you can't pick up my drift already, I'm definitely leaning Atlanta in this spot. But one thing that I always like to do in week one I like to bet on the team that everybody says is going to be the worst team in the NFL because I just think it's like an interesting motivational factor. And if you remember, we let's go back a year ago where we had a divisional home dog that fit this description of just being the worst team in the National Football League. And it happened to be the Houston Texans. Believe it or not, Urban Meyer was a three-point road favorite. Uh, that, that We lived in a world in which Urban Meyer laid three points on the road in an NFL game. It's crazy to think that that happened, but it did. And I hit the Texans plus three in that game, and they obviously won outright very convincingly. So point I'm making is if you want to bet these bad teams, sometimes it can be good to bet them early in the year when we don't really know enough about anybody, and these bad teams are maybe a little – out to prove something early on that, you know, they had to deal with all the noise of how bad they're going to be and no Calvin Ridley for Atlanta. So something to consider. It's a lean for me on Atlanta. I don't think I'm going to get there, but definitely the only way I can look. Yeah, that'd be the only way I looked as well. I'm with you. I'm 
pretty high on the Saints season long, but just week one going on the road, laying points like this with a new coach. Um, Sean Payton was just a huge pillar of that team for years. I really don't know what to expect. And with Jameis, that's and, and that's the thing, too. It's also an offense where, listen, we know they're going to have their studs out on defense. And the defense uh, has, even though Dennis Allen's previous coaching experience as a head coach with the Raiders wasn't good, we saw him really engineer that defense really well the last few years. So we definitely trust them on the defensive side of the ball. But offensively, Jameis is coming off a major knee injury. And Michael Thomas, I mean, we think he can still play, but we just haven't seen him on the field enough. And so... What are they going to be on offense? I, I kind of rather see it first before betting them. Yeah, exactly. This is one of those games where you just want to kind of gather a little more information on both teams with Mariota being a new starting quarterback there. It's kind of tough to what are you going to get there? And then also the Falcons, their weapons leave a, a bit to be desired. I mean, we're really high on pits and you know, that's a great weapon to have, but what are we going to get from Mariota? This might be a rookie wide out under. Drake London too. What's he going to give you? Exactly. There's just not really enough data points here to, to take either side. I would say this might be a good spot to look under and just hope that the Falcons defense can, can be remotely competent. As we saw last year, they weren't that very often. So that might be asking a lot, but, Maybe you just kind of bet against the Saints offense in week one. Yeah, no, that's definitely an interesting look at the total. And I agree in terms of just uh, kind of figuring out the Saints in the post Sean Payton era on the offensive side of the ball, because that's the other thing. Not only is their personnel being kind of reintegrated as per Winston and Thomas, but, uh, you know, Payton was their offensive mastermind on the sideline. So he's gone. Uh, and how do they kind of push the buttons offensively? Again, something to monitor. But uh, as far as this game, uh, one that I'll probably uh, just stay away from. Keep an eye on, again, because of my season-long interest in New Orleans. But uh, not a great week one look, that's for sure. Another divisional game here is up next, though. Not that far geographically from Atlanta. Uh, we'll go down to South Beach and talk about the New England Patriots going to Miami to take on the Dolphins and, you know, gosh, what, for 10 years or whatever, this place has been a house of horrors for the Patriots and they, for whatever reason, can't win. Remember that crazy walk-off, like, Hail Mary lateral play that the Dolphins beat them on, like, four years ago or something? Yeah, I do. It's it's always a nightmare when they go to Miami. But also, usually it's later in the season. I think this true. is early being week one, so maybe the weather won't be quite as bad. It's like the change in weather where they're like up in Yeah, the- where it's like cold in New England and then they go to, you know, hot Miami. It's it's pretty warm in both places. So right. maybe it's it won't be point. quite as quite as much of a shock as it normally is. So, yeah, that could be something to consider. I'm looking at the weather now. It's going to be high. 89 on Sunday with potential precipitation, 40%. So that's not quite as much of a shock. I heard that New England went down there early this week to try and, like, practice in it. Acclimate to the weather some. Yeah, I I could see that with the extra time they're prepared. That definitely sounds like something Belichick would do. And, yeah, just the 
the shock of when they go in like December in like week 16 or something, and they're going from freezing New England to hotter Miami. That might be a factor in why they're always so bad on the road there. Yeah, uh, they. I just looked it up. They they did go down uh, early in the week. So uh, see if that helps them. Uh, and I'll be honest, I probably like I wanted to be on New England here because uh, another thing that you'll hear us talk a lot about, and we could have mentioned it, and it would be another thing that would speak to fading New Orleans is as per the divisional home dog thing with Miami. You also have, or excuse me, with Atlanta. Uh, you also have uh, New Orleans with a first year coach. In uh, Dennis Allen, at least a new coach on the job. I mentioned Allen's previous head coaching experience with the Raiders. But we do have another new head coach here with the Dolphins. Ten new coaching hires, by the way. A third of the league thereabout with a new coach this year. So uh, we'll, we'll continue to reference this over the course of the pod. But Mike McDaniel hired from San Francisco as the OC under Kyle Shanahan uh, to coach the Miami Dolphins. And uh, new coaches making their uh, debuts with a new team the last four seasons are 7-16 against the spread. And uh, it gets even worse at 3-19-1 straight up. So, again, if you wanted to sprinkle a little New England money line here, I definitely wouldn't hate it. But the other thing that we talked about just trying to gather some information on with New Orleans and how the Saints might look offensively, i got to do the same thing with New England, and that's why I actually think the under is a better play here for week one because Mike McDaniel for Miami, if you wanted to talk about fading the new offensive coach or new coach, he is an offensive mind. So maybe, you know, certainly we would look at Belichick being a defensive guy and probably getting the better of that matchup. So I think the under is going to be a good play here at under 46 and a half. On the basis that, as I said, you have a new head coach in Miami and McDaniel, who I'm still interested in fading. And then when you look at New England, I talked about it from a fact-finding perspective and from a uh, observatory perspective of just what is their offense going to be. And we know that Josh McDaniels left and took the Las Vegas Raiders job, and they decided to just bring back some old failed Belichick three head coaching guys and Matt Patricia and Joe judge. And that's who's running their offense. So uh, listen, if Mac Jones takes a big leap in year two, it won't matter. Uh, they did go out and, you know, they brought in Devonte Parker. They drafted an offensive lineman in the first round. They drafted a few running backs. So they're doing some Patriots things in terms of, you know, not necessarily the flashiest names coming in, but they're trying to help their quarterback in some way, shape and form. I just don't know what new England's offense is going to look like. And that's why I think kind of fading both offenses by taking the under would be the way I would play the game side lean new England. But uh, again, the concerns about what they're going to be offensively uh, are too much for me to play the side. So I'll take the game under the total. I think that's a good way to look at it under the total. This is another wait and see game. I know Bill Belichick, he's really strong as an underdog in his career. He's 55-30-1 against the spread as an underdog. But since Tom Brady has left the Patriots, they're 7-8 and eight against the spread as dogs. So not nearly as good. Obviously, Brady carried a lot of those Belichick-coached underdog teams to 
against the spread victories, I would lean Patriots getting three and a half. I love getting three in the hook. I think that's a good look, but I can't really get there. This is another wait and see with this Patriots offense, like you mentioned. I really don't know what to expect. I like their rushing game. I don't love the passing attack. I I do kind of like Mac Jones, but then, you know, your best weapons are Jacoby Meyer, Hunter Henry, a tight end, and then, yeah, Devontae Parker, who they brought in from the Dolphins. When you're trading within the division, that's obviously, like, one team is just totally out on a guy if they're willing to trade him to a divisional rival. So, oh yeah, I think the under would probably be the best look here. I probably won't get there with anything, though, ultimately. Yeah, maybe a Devontae Parker revenge game here. Yeah, maybe a props over, and, you know, he probably won't get used at all. Yeah, exactly. The way Belichick goes, you never know. Well, speaking of revenge games, though, one that is very mainstream, and you don't have to just listen to this podcast to hear of them, is going to be the Cleveland Browns heading to Charlotte to take on the Carolina Panthers. This line is interesting. I pick them, and... A total in this game of 43, or excuse me, down to 42 now. And obviously the revenge angle being Baker Mayfield starting for the Carolina Panthers. And Alex, we talked a little bit off the air about this. I mentioned to you earlier in the week, I liked Carolina. And, you know, shame on me, been a bad number. I laid a point and a half. Now it's down to pick. I just think the revenge angle here for I'm getting the better quarterback, obviously Baker Mayfield versus Jacoby Brissett in a revenge spot for Baker Mayfield at home. And I also, I mentioned this on uh, the college pot I did last week with uh, one of my picks. I think that ended up hitting Arizona plus six. Uh, Their coach Jed Fish was coming in on the hot seat. And I kind of like, even though you're on the hot seat for a reason, I kind of like betting on coaches on the hot seat early in the year. And obviously Matt rule is the favorite in the first coach fired market this year. And I do think there's a world and, and, you know, season long, I'm not really buying or fading Carolina, but I do think there's a world that exists here in which Baker Mayfield gives them better quarterback play. You know, if you believe that the shoulder was bothering Baker all year last year, you know, he gets back and is healthier. Christian McCaffrey stays healthy, and the Carolina Panthers are a sneaky, flirtatious I mean, wild card. Did you see, uh, did you you know, see McCaffrey's did see, already on the injury Already list. on the injury report. I did see that. It seems like he will play. <laughs> it was it was like a, a, a scratch from a teammate's cleat or something. It's just funny he can't even enter the season without being on the injury. Oh, I know. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Uh, but I do think there's a world in which the Panthers flirt with a playoff spot and whether you're especially in a division that if you don't believe in Tampa could be, you know, there could be some wins to be had here. So with all that said, I, you know, and also I kind of want to fade Cleveland. Like, are they going to be ready to play a football game with everything that happened? And, you know, we talk about coaches that might be on the hot seat. You know, the seat might not be as warm for Kevin Stefanski as it is Matt Rule, but I, I even without Deshaun Watson, I could see if things go south in Cleveland and you are to miss the playoffs 
back-to-back years after that 2020 season in which they made it and beat the Steelers in the playoffs, I could see them making a change. So all of this is to say I think it's a good spot for Carolina, and I think there will be some urgency on behalf of the players for Matt Rule and obviously for Matt Rule and his staff to get some wins early on in this a very winnable game. But gosh, that line movement weirds me out. I don't get why the Cleveland money is coming. I completely agree. I was with you on the Panthers when I saw this one and a half, and I'm also very weirded out by the line movement. This had to have come within the last couple of hours because I was looking, you know, tonight, and it was still one and a half, and now it's down to a pick 'em. So a point and a half over a couple of hours, there must be some Cleveland backing coming in. It's just, it's a really weird spot. I think I'm higher on Baker than most. I think he's a very serviceable quarterback, especially when he has a decent run game. We've seen that. He was pretty successful when when they were running the ball well. He definitely was not the problem in Cleveland. I mean, obviously they had to go out and get the, the star quarterback. You can't really pass that up despite, you know, all his off-the-field shit. But, yeah, the line movement is – probably going to ultimately keep me away from this. My biggest concern as well would be the Panthers rush defense. It was Yeah, you one brought of the this worst. up. This is interesting. Yeah, it's not it's not great. It was not good last year and then that's really all Cleveland's going to do. They might hand the ball off 40 fucking times this game like between Chubb and Hunt. They're going to run the ball a ton. They're really not going to want to throw too much with Jacoby and that's something the Panthers don't do well on defense so maybe uh maybe an underspot hopefully you know Cleveland just wants to control the ball on the ground just get in get out keep this game close I could see under 42 yeah I wanted to go Panthers but this line movement kind of scared me off yeah yeah no I, I I definitely definitely hear you on that and you know, I think we've always kind of known Baker to be kind of a game manager. Like, how many big plays are there going to be for Carolina, even if things are going well for the Panthers? So I, I could kind of get down with what you're selling on the under, but I'm just going to hope that the line movement's wrong. I'm not going to hedge out of my yeah. uh, Cleveland or my Carolina. No, and I, I don't blame you at all. And I, I did see a pretty insane trend about the Browns in week one, you know, spans decades back to 2004 they're 0 16 and one straight up in week one games dating back to 2004 they they tied the Steelers in 2018 but they haven't won a single wow. game in week one that's one of the more insane streaks you'll see the Colts are really bad in week one as well we'll talk about that here shortly but the Browns 0 16 and one straight up in week All right. since 2004. Let's move on to another game featuring not one but two AFC North teams as it's a divisional battle in Southwest Ohio. The Pittsburgh Steelers travel to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. Pittsburgh catching nearly a touchdown here at six and the hook. Total of 44 and a half. Alex, before we get into the nuts and bolts and the handicap, I gotta ask you as a Steelers fan. Hearing some stuff this week about how all the players just kind of knew all along that it was going to be Mitch Trubisky. You buying that, or do you think that it was a uh, you know a long and tedious evaluation for Tomlin and the staff 
ultimately landing on the veteran over the youngster Pickett. Uh, I, I don't think it was much of a competition, to be honest. I, I think Tomlin would want to go with the veteran guy. I mean, they brought him in for a reason. I don't, I'm higher on Trubisky than most. Maybe I'm just a little blinded as a Steeler fan. I want him to do well, but I think he's perfectly serviceable. He's another one of those guys when he has the right scheme and a good rushing attack, great defense, which the Steelers have. He can be perfectly fine. Really not that down on Trubisky. I think that was the right call. And they have the bye week in, uh, I think it's week nine. Yeah, it so easy. it's they funny you bring up that bye. Schedule. Because I think that we're going to see a Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco situation going back to Lamar's rookie year in 2018. Uh, Lamar, much like Kenny Pickett, a late first round pick. And... Uh, it was about the middle of November when Lamar took over as a full-time starter. Uh, I looked at the Steelers schedule and uh, you're right. It's a week nine bye. I, I think I had him four and four at the bye. I think it's one of those things where you might say, okay, four and four, not bad, but not great. We're going to have to be better than that to make the playoffs this year. And that's when I think Kenny Pickett plays is coming out of that bye. I believe it's a home game against new Orleans. Any thoughts there on how they manage this situation? That's exactly my same thought process. I was going to say four and four. I was hoping maybe they could, you know, <laughs> squeak one out at home against the Bucks or something, but I highly doubt that. I think they'll beat the Browns. They have the Jets. They have the Patriots at home. They're all very winnable games, and they have the Bills on the road. They'll get smashed. It just depends on that Bucks at home. Which I don't really think it matters to be honest. If they're four and four or five and three, I think you still you go the rookie at that point. Like you're saying, maybe they need a spark there down the stretch. I think that's exactly what Kenny Pickett provides, and he looked he looked great in the in the preseason games right. that I watched. So like him not getting the starting job is just it's pretty. Trubisky's the band aid to get them to you know, a serviceable and like a manageable playoff spot down the road. And you bring in the guy that you know is better and is the future. You bring him in. You don't want to just throw him out there week one on the road in Cincinnati. I think that's a terrible idea. I completely agree with Star and Trubisky. I thought that would be the move from the very beginning. I hate the idea of just throwing rookies out to the wolves, especially when you have a veteran guy and a very veteran coach. He knows how to do this. Tomlin is one of the best veteran coaches. He's not going to throw a rookie out there like that immediately. I think the the week nine by is the perfect spot to bring him in after. As far as week one, uh, as I said, Pittsburgh catching six in the hook. Total in this game at 44 in the hook. Uh, and I like the Steelers, and I think you do too. I, I think this is eerily similar to Pittsburgh's opener in 2021, where the Steelers went to Western New York and won outright as a six-and-a-half, seven-point dog against the Buffalo Bills. And by eerily similar, what I'm getting at is I just think we're going to see a Pittsburgh team play a very similar game where you're going up against a high-powered offense, and you're going to have to try and keep everything in front of you and limit the big plays and – the Steelers defense is the Steelers defense. We always expect them to show up and we always expect them to kind of 
be a Simon Sharp and to do those things I'm talking about where you do limit those big plays and you're able to, you know, keep the, you know, the dogs at bay for Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, T.J. Watt and the rest of the front seven are able to make life a little difficult for Joe Burrow. We talk about uh, changes with offenses. We mentioned New Orleans and New England earlier. Well, it is a basically a brand new offensive line for Cincinnati. And we know that they needed to make changes there. But I think offensive line is one of those things where, you know, it's it's underrated as far as the chemistry. Obviously, I think a lot of people look at, you know, timing with receivers and quarterbacks, and that's obviously important too. But, you know, guards and tackles kind of being on the same page as to who's blocking who and things like that is something to maybe be a little leery of as far as Cincinnati right out of the gate. Maybe their offensive line does end up being a, a much improved unit by season's end, but it's hard to see those things happening in week one. All of that makes me think Pittsburgh's defense will be able to have its way with Joe Burrow and company on offense. And then I look at Pittsburgh offensively and figure we don't know if Deontay Johnson is going to play or not. And even if he does, whether it was Kenny Pickett or Mitch Grabisky, I think the path was always to kind of manage the game here get it into the fourth quarter competitive run not a lot of Najee Harris and keep your chance and take your chances that you can maybe get in field goal range in a tie game late, take the lead and the defense takes you home. I think that's the path here for Pittsburgh. You could lend, argue that lends itself towards going under the total. I wouldn't push back on that, but as we talk about, we love our week one divisional dogs, Pittsburgh. Uh, I think the Steelers end up being in the playoffs. That's the other thing about the Steelers that I feel like people are maybe discrediting. Yeah, the quarterback situation is going to get talked about ad nauseum, but can either one of these guys be worse than what Roethlisberger was last year out of a retirement home? I don't think so. I like the Steelers to be be a wild card this year and go over their season win number. Games like this will be an indicator as to why they're going to do that. They could be live to win the game outright. Sure love them catching six and a half. Give me the Steelers getting nearly a touchdown. This is a Bengals team that gave up the most sacks in the NFL last year. And then you're facing this front of the Steelers. I love the Steelers in this spot. You know, Mike Tomlin as an underdog and then especially a, a divisional dog. It's just not a bet. Steelers are 19-6-2 against the spread as an underdog versus AFC North opponents under Tomlin. This is a guy that's never had a losing season as a professional coach. We'd love that. Tomlin just as a dog, that's an auto bet. I saw the loser of the Super Bowl. They've gone 4-18 and against the spread in week one since 2000. So maybe a little bit of that Super Bowl hangover that everyone likes yeah. to quote. I think I, I mean, think guys, it lends more the to the Bowl. losers. I saw some hungover Rams tonight. Right. I think yeah. I think that hangover extends more to the losing team. But like you mentioned, just the new offensive lines and continuity issues already it was it was terrible last year. I think they might be in some trouble. Like I could see the Steelers winning this game outright. Just have. Trubisky really managed this and run the ball a lot with Najee Harris. And and again, yeah, like I mentioned, you don't like the Deontay Johnson thing if he plays great, but if he doesn't, it doesn't really change how you look at the game. I don't think it, it changes enough to scare me off. Obviously, he's yeah. a 
huge part of the offense. Um, yeah, shoulder injury, we'll see. I, I know he's been limited, and the way he's talking doesn't seem like he's going to be able to go. But with all the weapons they have on offense, they really have a great skill set of offensive weapons between, you know, all the receivers and then Najee, Frymuth. They really have some great weapons. Yeah, I think Pickens is an offensive rookie of the year candidate. Yeah, I agree. I I think completely missing the number, though. I saw him shoot up to, like, Yeah, I know. He, there was a little one. Yeah, I thought that was a little outrageous. He had, like, several great catches in the preseason. He shoots all the way up to the to the co-favorite. I think right. it's him and, him and Pickett at the top. I, I think that's a little insane to <laughs> to, to back that. Um, but, yeah, I think he's going to be he's going to be very solid. Let's go from the AFC North to the NFC North, where we head to the Windy City as another team, like I talked about, sometimes betting on those teams that everybody says are going to be horrible is an interesting week one angle, and there's certainly plenty of pessimism surrounding the Chicago Bears as they are catching seven at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Total in this game, guys, thought 42 was low in uh, Cleveland and Carolina. How about 40 and the hook? for San Francisco and Chicago. Uh, obviously, Alex, not a lot of faith in the Monsters in the Midway. No. Bookmakers definitely do not believe in in uh, Fields and, and this new coach. Um, and you know what? That's the other thing. I get that, too. Fields, we don't know about anyway. And what they didn't really do anything in terms of helping him. You know, they didn't have a first-rounder because they traded up to get Fields last year. Kyler Gordon, cornerback Washington, was their first pick in the second round. You know, they they weren't they obviously let Allen Robinson walk. It just feels like they're really not doing much to surround the guy. And, you know, they hired a defensive-minded coach in Matt Eberflus. So, I, I get it. You know, I, I get why the markets are down on Chicago and we're seeing these totals this low. Um but San Francisco is going to be another team where, you know, we talked about Baltimore being a popular road favorite, teased down to pick and, you know, survivor contest play. Well, San Francisco is going to be a lot of that for as well. But if I wasn't laying seven, seven and a half with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, I sure as hell am not doing it with Trey Lance and the San Francisco 49ers. Listen, they may win this division, but I got to see it. To believe it, I'd like to just see a little bit more. Trey Lance, I feel like for the better part of a year and a half now, dating all the way back to when he was drafted, has just been this man of mystery. And eventually we're going to have to find out a little bit more about him. We talked about how with some teams like New Orleans and New England, we're kind of in observatory, you know, exploratory type roles. Kind of feeling that way about San Francisco primarily because not only is the quarterback different, but the style from Garoppolo to Lance, you know, is a different skill set. So how does that, and, and by the way, George Kittle's not going to play in this game. So, uh, yeah, I, this feels like it could be an ugly San Francisco win in which they may not cover this number. So, uh, you know, if I had to bet it, I'd plug my nose and take the points for Chicago, but probably staying away. Yeah, they say some of the best, bets that you make are the ones that you avoid and that's that's yeah. probably the case with this one 
this could easily be an ugly, ugly San Francisco cover, like a 21 to 13 or something. I'm going to play the under, under 40 and a half. Still going under, okay. Yeah, I just I just don't see the Niners coming out and really showing too much. Lance making his first regular season start on the road. Not the best conditions in Chicago. I'm sure it'll be a, a nice day, but still not the best place to play. And then on the road, and we already know the Niners. They love to run the ball a ton. They love to set up that play action. That's really what they did best with Jimmy G because he's, he's not the – you know, the best passer either. So this is really one of those wait and see. Like, we have to see a lot more from Lance before we're going to lay a touchdown on the road. But yeah, I'm playing the under. I think this could get ugly. I I don't see the Bears really scoring that much. That's kind of what scared me off taking the touchdown at home. Usually I, I probably would. But in this spot, I just don't trust the Bears' offense nearly enough. And like you mentioned, they brought in – the defensive-minded coach, so you have to think that that's their focus. They didn't bring in anything for Fields, and you know their best weapon is probably Montgomery, their running back. So pounded on the ground, both teams are going to run the ball a lot. I really like this under. All right, let's stay in the NFC North, where we have another team that. Is always bad, but maybe they'll be a little less bad this year. That's the Detroit Lions, uh, as they are catching four at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, uh, by the way, a total in this game is sitting at 49. So, uh, obviously, a little more faith in the offenses in this one. And, Alex, I got to say, as an Eagle fan, I'm a little terrified because this is one of those things where, uh, with all the hype around the Eagles in the offseason and everything they did, it does certainly look like on paper they have one of the best rosters, not just in the NFC, but in the entire National Football League. And they, I mean, this the, hype, team, the hype could not be higher right now. There's, right. There's and, you know, a ton of Super Bowl that, talk, like divisional talk is very legitimate. There's a lot of Super Bowl talk. It's scary. I would be terrified as you as the Eagles. That's fan. what this I'm saying. Like like, there's so much spot. hype here. And they're playing the Lions, who were one of the worst teams in the league last year. And, oh, by the way, last year, before the Eagles really turned their season around in the second half of the year, they went to Detroit and won 44-6. to So, you know, all of that being said, this line, you would think, if you weren't looking at it, that the Eagles would be around the same price as San Francisco is laying the touchdown on the road, as Baltimore is laying the touchdown on the road. But they're a good field goal lower, and that's where I just feel like this is one of those games. And there's usually one of these a week. And, you know, it, it, where it's just dogger pass because the Lions just feel so fishy and it's so baity and they're trying to just suck you in. And I just can never do it. And it's one of those things where I was real close to firing on the Lions. Uh, but I do feel like at the same time, if 80% of the Eagles hype manifests itself on the football field on Sunday, they're going to win this game by two touchdowns minimum. So I couldn't get there, but it's like a very strong lean to Detroit on the basis that, again, primarily just fishy line. 
And also, I do think that the whole like bet on the bad teams early in the season thing before they're bad. I think some of that's in play here with the Lions, because if you look at the way they ended last season, they had that big like two touchdown at home outright like they were two touchdown dogs at home against Arizona and they won the game. And it just felt like by the end of the year, Dan Campbell, like they were playing for him. The whole like biting kneecaps thing, like and all the weird stuff that they talk about there, like some of it must have started to resonate by the end of the year. And again, they don't have the most talent in the league. They're probably still only going to win about five or six games this year, if I had to guess. But I do think you're going to get that effort and you're going to get them playing hard and you're going to get them playing tough and physical and they're going to do things. They're going to make it challenging. You're not just going to be able to show up and beat the Lions. And that would be the concern I would have for the Eagles here is that maybe there's a little puff our chest out high and mighty element to this game. So it's a pretty strong lean here on Detroit on the basis that, again, numbers a little funky. Detroit, I think, will play hard most of the year and started to play better as the year progressed last season. So, uh, leaning Lions. This is the fishiest line of the week, I would say. Like you mentioned, their books are absolutely begging us to take the Eagles. They want the Eagles in every single money line parlay. They want everyone teasing the Eagles, even though they be a terrible teaser. Never like to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tease from minus four to plus two. Right. (laughs) What What does that buy you? Yeah. Win the game. It doesn't get you anything. It's a terrible teaser spot, but you know people are doing it. You know this will be a ton of survivor picks, even though it's on the road. I I took Detroit earlier in the summer, plus four and a half. I just I like what they're doing. I like the continuity of the coach and quarterback coming back together. I, I like that they kept Campbell and Goff. Yeah, maybe the Rams want Goff back after tonight. I, I would not blame them. I think, I think Goff is perfectly serviceable. I mean, the way Stafford looks tonight, you probably would want Goff. I'm sure he keeps that game a little closer. I, I saw that Jared Goff, he's 5-0 and against the spread in week one games in his career. He's the only undefeated quarterback against the spread in week one since 2003. Oh, gosh, that was quite the backdoor last year. Week one, Detroit, San Francisco. Remember that? Oh, my God. I do. Indeed. Granted, that that's Goff's tenure at the Rams as well. That's not just on Detroit. But right. I did also see that this game was sold out. They only have standing room tickets available still. And I can't I do want to say there's, there's a lot of Eagles fans there. going out there. Is there? I was going to say, I can't imagine there's a ton. You think there will be a lot of traveling? I've seen uh, some college friends and high school friends talking about a fan trip that was organized. Like one of those, like, get on a plane, like they fly out. You just, like, pay the the company that, like, organized the trip. So So it sounds like you're going to be spending out there. But to your point. You get a couple thousand. You get a couple thousand. It still is going to be very Detroit heavy at home. Yeah, it seems like. There's a lot of just like excitement that the Lions are finally moving in the right direction, even though they won't be a playoff team this year. Right. I think the excitement is that they're just competent and that it's just consistency having the coach and the quarterback. Having, they're right. They're not. Yeah. They're not blowing it. They're not blowing it up every single year like they normally do. This might be. Is this like the hard knocks hype? But 
I took the lines before I even watched any hard knocks. I just sure. like four and a half at home week one. I think these lines are, you know, they're the sharpest they'll get. They're week one. It, it's like going off all last year's data, which makes it even more fishy because the lines were absolute dog shit and the hype of the Eagles. So you know, four, four and a half, it just, it feels very weird. Like you mentioned, it should be more like seven, which just, I'm going to take the home dog. Yeah, exactly. Like when, when you feel the number should be like a full field goal higher than it is, like there's no way it's that easy, you know? No, on paper, the Eagles look absolutely incredible. So, you know, granted the Eagles could win this by three touchdowns. It would not surprise me one bit, but I'm just not willing to lay that in week one on the road. I, I think there's, okay, and that, there's too I'm much pressure on the Eagles. Because this is an important thing that I feel like should be stressed, especially if anybody's new here. I talk about this a lot. If you bet Detroit plus four, and you know I might get there come Sunday, and the Eagles win by 21, it's the same as if the Eagles win – by six and Goff throws a pick in the red zone late in the game. So don't feel bad about yourself. If the Eagles just blow them out because sometimes you can have the process that we're thinking about and it might, it just might not work out. And so the point I'm making is you don't lose by more. But, you know, I, I know there are pools like this and honestly, I've never played one, and I, I'm not interested in it, but you don't lose by more if your team fails to cover by more, and the inverse is true <laughs> yeah, as well. Like, like you get a lot of people on their high horse talking about, and, and a lot of the people that you talked about where it's like, oh, they're going to be throwing the Eagles in every Monday night parlay. Well, we, you know, maybe if they win by three touchdowns, we're talking about how free of a leg it is in the parlay. Well, right. like it was so obvious. doesn't cover the rest of their parlay. You know, so it's just one thing that I, I, I do like to stress is, whether you cover by one point or cover by three touchdowns, all covers are created equal. Yeah, exactly. And then you kind of have to break down the game a little more, see the results. And was it, you know, late turnovers? You know, I, I just remember the, that Falcons, Falcons were getting like 13 at home against the Bucks, And then it was back-to-back pick sixes. And then yeah, oh, yeah, the Bucks ran away with it. Like, like the right side was the Falcons, despite getting absolutely blown out. But you can't factor in two pick sixes on back-to-back plays and a 14-point swing, and then the game's completely out of hand. Right. Yeah, that's well said for sure. Let's keep things moving and get to another divisional game in Week One: the Indianapolis Colts heading to Houston to take on the Texans. Colts, a touchdown road favorite, total of 45 and a half. And if you haven't caught our drift as far as some of the things we like in Week One. Well, maybe you haven't been listening hard enough, but chances are, you know, we're both going to be on the Houston Texans in this one. We have a divisional home dog. uh, So that instantly in week one is something we like, again, specific to this trend week one divisional home dogs. 29, 9, and 1, saying it again, that's 76% since 2014. I'll just say this as somebody that, Moved to Houston last November and has kind of been loosely following the Texans. They did a lot of good things in the offseason. It feels we talked about how the Lions, it feels like maybe they're finally starting to put the right people in place, whether Jared Goff's their quarterback or not. 
there's a lot of that going on with the Texans, too, in terms of, okay, Davis Mills might be the guy. He might not, but he showed enough last year to earn 2022. They go out and they draft Derek Stingley Jr. They draft Kenyon Green, interior offensive lineman in the first round out of Texas A&M. Uh, Damian Pierce, for all the fantasy people out there, he's been getting plenty of buzz. Looks good in the preseason. Rookie running back out of Florida. So it does fit Jalen Petrie's safety, uh, another one of their draft picks out of Baylor has been getting a lot of buzz. So it feels like I know these guys haven't played a game yet in the regular season, but the draft class returns were good back in April when the draft happened. Camp and preseason buzz around some of these guys has been positive as well. So it does feel like the Texans have some of the right guys in place. So there is some of that kind of like, all right, we might only win six, seven games, if that, around the Texans, but it's a good six, seven games feel for them. And Lovey Smith one of those first-year coaches, but a guy that's been around the block and should provide some stability on the sideline. Remember, this is a team that went through, you know, the puppet of all puppets, David Culley, last year, and prior to that, dealt with the Bill O'Brien experience. So, Lovey Smith should be a positive change there. So, that's a lot of pro-Texan stuff. And then when we flip the script and look at Indianapolis, we've talked about Indianapolis is one of the slower starting teams historically under Frank Reich, his fifth season. Now think back to his first year there, Andrew Luck, uh, you know, with that, I think it was his last season or his second to last season in the league. I think it was his last, uh, but he, you know, the Colts started one and five and they ended up going, getting red hot down the stretch and sneaking in as a wild card lost in the wild card round at Arrowhead against the chiefs. But that's been the script. We saw the Colts in the 2020 season uh, lose as an eight-and-a-half point, I believe it was, road dog against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that was also a week one. guess who had, who had the Colts in their fucking survivor? There you go. Oh, they killed everybody's survivor <laughs> yeah, in week one in that season. Blown so. up in the first fucking week of survivor. And, and, and that Jags one that we talked about feels a lot like this. It was a divisional game. The Colts weren't ready to play. They had a new quarterback in Phillip Rivers. Now they have a new On quarterback in Matt Ryan. And, you know, we talk about exploratory, finding things out, offenses. I, while there's a lot of pieces that are back for Indy, the most important one is new and Matt Ryan. And what does he even have left? So it's, again, more of just I need to see it first. I still think Indy could win this division. But for this game, touchdown on the road is too much, especially when you lay out, again, all those kind of underlying things I mentioned about the Texans where it might not come up to the surface right away. They're not a playoff team by any means. But I think people by the end of the year are going to be saying, you know what? They got a little something to work with down there. I think it starts here. I wouldn't hate a money line sprinkle, but I sure love them to cover the seven. I completely agree. I've been mentioning this a couple times, but the, the continuity, I just love bringing back the, the head coach and the, and the quarterback. Same guys as last year, you know, wasn't a great year, but. I just like having another year under the belt. Well, Lovey is a new head coach, but he was on the staff last year, so. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was the, the interim coach last year. Yeah, you're right. He was on the staff. But I just bring back Davis Mills. We mentioned the home divisional dog spot a lot, and you mentioned the Colts being slow starters. They're 0-4 straight up and 0-3-1 against the spread in week one. 
under Frank Reich. And then dating back to 2008, the Colts are 1-12-1 against the spread in week one. I don't know what it is. It might be a systemic thing. They just always start. They just always start very slow. Like you mentioned, they they bring in you know Rivers, they bring in Wentz, and now it's Ryan. They bring in these more veteran guys, and maybe it's just a learning curve of the offense, and that could be the answer to their slow starts. But they always just start slow and. It that could also be something it. in their game planning where they don't maybe go as micro as other teams do. And maybe they don't early on focus on like uh, installing a ton of stuff to beat the Texans. And maybe just they're a little more generic with some of the stuff they want to do. And it maybe doesn't lend itself towards being a yeah, good maybe one develops, team. Develops throughout the season. And right. it's kind of tough to in place uh, in the first week it, for whatever reason, though. They're just perennially bad in week one. Yeah, no uh, agreement there. So uh, a couple divisional dogs that we are certainly in agreement on the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Houston Texans as we move right along and walk our way into actually, no, we do have one more early kickoff game. The Jacksonville Jaguars head to the nation's capital and take on the Washington commanders. Jacksonville catching two and the hook. Important to note, some pretty hefty line movement here as we've gone through a key number. This was up around three and a half, maybe even four at one point uh, in the uh, in the summer. And now we're seeing it down to two and the hook. Total in this game of 44. Uh, you know, as much as we talk about fading first-year coaches, uh, much the same way we have, you know, I talk about Lovey Smith being kind of a positive change for Houston, I think the same is true tenfold with Jacksonville bringing in Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson took 2021 off. 2020, obviously, his last year with the Eagles. I was thinking this earlier today. Do you think a coach can can influence the spread? Like, how many points do you think Peterson would be over Urban? It's got to be a couple, right? A good offensive mind in Peterson, proven winner, and then Meyer, who was just – Absolute dog shit. You couldn't have got a worse. No, yeah, it's like, it's an interesting point. The improvement sure. is is it feels like a lot. Yeah, you know, and and I think the biggest thing here is, uh, you know, and we're actually going to get to it in our next game, and Peterson coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree. But what have we seen with Andy Reid? Is like there's been a an alignment with his quarterbacks and he was with Donovan McNabb for a while and, you know, a cup of coffee at the end of his Eagles tenure with Michael Vick. And, you know, now he's got Patrick Mahomes in Kansas city. And so I think the marriage is perfect for Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence to really take off in 2022 and beyond again, maybe more of a season long thing and maybe not even a 2022 thing. Maybe something where we've talked about with some of these teams where Jacksonville, Detroit, Houston, it's like they don't look like elite level, you know, playoff teams even this year, but you leave thinking they're moving in the right direction. And I think Jacksonville is certainly a candidate to feel that way about by season's end. And I also, to your point, think that bringing in Peterson and subtracting out Urban Meyer might just result in things taking off a little quicker down there in terms of, you know, getting a more professional environment nurtured. And, you know, it seems like just 
there's a little more of an upbeat nature with the players. I think everybody knew how awkward it was last year with Urban Meyer. Like you were saying, with the coaching change, it could not have been more of a 180 for Jacksonville going from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson. And if we really want to dive deep into the weeds here, could we even say a little bit of a Doug Peterson revenge game going up against his old buddy? And I say that sarcastically in Carson Wentz because I could tell you that it was a tumultuous relationship between the two of them as things uh, wound down in Philly. And I think maybe some of it contributed to the drafting of Jalen Hurts, which is a pretty big surprise when the Eagles made the pick in 2020. And then Wentz had a pretty bad 2020 with the Eagles and got traded to Indianapolis. So, as far as this game is concerned, strong lean on Jacksonville. Uh, I think you had something on the total here, Alex, but uh, I, I just think Jacksonville will prove to be a better football team by season's end for sure than Washington, and uh, that could even manifest itself on Sunday. So, uh, I like the Jaguars here uh, with the uh, short number. I would also say there's probably not a better spot for a new coach than to be playing at Washington as a short dog. I don't think Washington field. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably one of the worst home fields outside of probably, you know, Rams chargers. Cause they get so many away fans traveling there. Washington just doesn't have fans anymore. They've been so alienated. You'll probably see some Jags fans, which would be, you know, shocking 10 years ago, but now Washington fans just don't go to games. I was going to play the Jags on the money line, strongly considering that, but I'm going to go with the over. Uh, Washington, they're starting safety, Cam Curl. He didn't practice today. We all know Chase Young is out. Uh, I just I don't think the defense will hold up that well. And I kind of like both offenses. I'm higher on Wentz than most. I think his biggest issue is really bad interceptions, which also probably lends to the over. I think Lawrence can probably make a significant jump, especially with Peterson. I think Peterson's a really solid coach. Kind of surprised when they parted ways there. Yeah, so I think the offense is going to be much improved. Travis at ETN, he's going to be back. There's a lot to prove here coming off that injury. I think the Jags are going to be way better than they were, and I think Washington is arguably a bit worse. I think Wentz at quarterback is a slight upgrade. I think their weapons are, are fairly decent. Yeah, so I, I just think both offenses will – have no problem moving the ball over 44 total feels a little low with uh pretty mediocre defenses yeah i know uh full agreement there in terms of total feeling a little low if you think jacksonville can move the ball uh and and get into the mid-20s then you just need the favorite in this case washington to hang with the underdog to get you over that number so uh, I, I, I definitely could buy what you're selling on the over in this game. Let's go out west and uh, get to the late games now. Uh, Kansas City and Arizona uh, is a number that we talked about before we jumped on, kind of ballooned out to near a touchdown. We're seeing Kansas City laying six. Uh, highest total on the board, no surprise here, 53 in the hook. 
don't know, Alex. This feels one where we talk about exploratory, you know, offenses and just wanted to sit back and take it in. Kansas City, Tyreek Hill out. Marquez Valdez-Scanling, Juju Smith-Schuster, Sky Moore in. You know, are they going to recreate Tyreek Hill in the aggregate in terms of his production? Maybe that's how they're looking at it. But, uh, you know, against a team that even without DeAndre Hopkins, you know, maybe there's a leap here from Rondell Moore in, in, in another year. Or maybe there's a Hollywood Brown, Kyler Murray, Oklahoma reunion that takes off right away. Whatever it may be, I, I could see a lot of points being scored, obviously, as ev- evidenced by the high total. Can't lay six on the road with Kansas City, given that Kansas City, they were one of those teams where we know how public they were, having Mahomes and Reed, et cetera. But the betting markets and the, the uh, bookmakers had a good handle on them, and they were not covering these kinds of numbers time and time again. So, you know, does that make me lean Arizona? Maybe a little bit, but speaking about just exploratory offenses, I mentioned Arizona without DeAndre Hopkins. Also, one of the bigger storylines of the NFL offseason was the whole Kyler Murray stare down, and he ended up winning the stare down, getting his contract. So what kind of Kyler Murray are we getting? He feels like somebody that would go all James Harden and just kind of, you know, almost tap out, got his money, move on. So, I mean, this could be an entertaining game, but I don't think it's a highly bettable game. I completely agree. I think it'll be fun to watch. I wish this was one of the, the 1 p.m. games. This feels like a really tough spot to lay with either team. I'm not super high on the Cardinals, especially without Hopkins in the first six weeks. I wouldn't be taking that. I usually do love a dog at home, but there's just too many question marks on both offenses. I think the Tyreek Hill losses not being stated enough. I think that's going to be massive. They brought in those guys you mentioned, but none of them have the skill set that Tyreek does. Juju is more of a possession receiver. He's not going to have that same burst. He's not going to put up nearly the same type of numbers. He's not the same explosion that Mahomes needs when he's, you know, moving out of the pocket and looking for a guy deep down the field. This is definitely a, a wait-and-see game for me. I just need way more data on both these teams. All right, let's go to our final divisional matchup of Week 1, and it is an interesting one in the Great North as the Green Bay Packers travel to the Twin Cities to take on the Minnesota Vikings. Total in this game of 47. Green Bay, a very short one-and-a-half-point road favorite. Uh, you know, here we go again, divisional home dog. Uh, so it's another one that I like, albeit a very short dog, but give me the Minnesota Vikings plus the one and the hook. Uh, Minnesota is a team that on my, uh, work for, uh, a radio network here in Houston, host a talk show Monday through Friday. And, uh, I picked Minnesota to win, to go to the Super Bowl. excuse me. Uh, Baltimore was my pick to win the Super Bowl, but, uh, I, I'm looking here at the setup, Alex. And it feels like last year's Bengals a little bit where you look at them and, uh, you know, last year's Bengals kind of came more out of nowhere, I'd say, than how we feel about Minnesota right now. But we have a coach from the Sean McVay coaching tree, Bengals, Sean, Zach, Zach Taylor. Now, uh, Kevin, Kevin O'Connell with the Minnesota Vikings. And you have a loaded array of offensive weapons 
at the McVeigh disciples' disposal. That's probably a good thing. It's something I want to invest in. And the question marks for Minnesota, much like the question marks last year for Cincinnati, lied on the defensive side of the ball. So I look at the Vikings and say, Kevin O'Connell is going to get every last ounce of offensive production out of this offense. Uh, and also, I work with somebody every day that I see him every day, a guy that's from the Milwaukee area, is a big Packer fan. He made a good point to me today that he brought up Rodgers in week one. And I don't have the, like, I should have researched this more, but we know last year against New Orleans, he just laid an egg. And, you know, you could maybe argue some of this factored in a little bit for the Rams tonight. We know that McVeigh is somebody that never really plays his guys in the preseason. And I mentioned Rodgers laying that egg in New Orleans. When you don't play at all preseason and you're just thrown to the dogs right away, I don't love that. I'll just say that. Not that I'm putting a ton of stock in those that do play preseason, but given I'm high on Minnesota and given that Rodgers is a year older and first game post Devontae Adams, a lot of boxes being checked here for me on the Minnesota side. Not much that I'm interested in from the Green Bay perspective. So uh, you better believe I'll be uh, doing the skull chant and uh, backing the Vikings here, plus one and a half. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm all over the Vikings. Really love them, especially as home dog. They're seven and three against the spread as home underdog since 2016. They beat up on the Packers last year at home in a similar spot as short home favorites. Just I think the Packers lost a lot in Adams, it's obvious to say, and they didn't quite replace him. Lazard is a little banged up as well. I know Aaron Rodgers is absolutely incredible. He dominates the NFC North. He's really good against the spread against them as well, but I just – I don't think they have quite enough on offense. And I think the Vikings offense is going to look really strong this year. You mentioned Kevin O'Connell coming in from the McVay tree. And you said very similar to what the Bengals did as well. And I like that. I think Kevin O'Connell being an offensive mind. Going from Mike Zimmer, you know, the guy that probably runs the ball on first down every fucking Defensive play. mind too, Zimmer. Yeah, exactly. Just not offensive guy. So you bring in this offensive guy, like let him loose. Yeah, I'm I'm really high in the Vikings. I don't know about Super Bowl bound, like you said, but I do. I like uh, Cousins a lot. It sprinkled MVP at fifty to one. Yeah, I just I think, think it's going to be weapons. somebody in that next tier. I mean, we talked about our concerns about the Rams and Stafford and the elbow and uh, Rodgers. You know, we'll see. Uh, post Adams if they're just going to win their normal 12-13 games and lose their first playoff game. Um, but <laughs> if anyone can can bring the Packers to this May regular season wins with absolute poverty weapons, it's it's Rodgers. Yeah, sure. still a two-time. Stop the bet against him. Right, still a two-time defending MVP. Um, and we'll get to Tampa in a minute, but not down. I'm not super high on the Bucks. So those are kind of your three gambling favorites in the NFC. And my point is on Minnesota season long, I think it's going to be somebody from that next tier that gets to the Super Bowl, whether that's Philadelphia, Dallas, New Orleans, Arizona, San Francisco. And I'm putting Minnesota in that tier, whether you agree or not. 
um, and Minnesota was just the team I landed on there. But do you agree it's going to be one of those kind of next-tier teams, or you think it will be one of the top three out of the NFC? Because it's wide open. No, no, I, I completely agree. And that's why I love the NFC. It is wide open. And I'm also down on the Bucks as well. I'm down on the Packers, but I've also been betting – Packers win totals on yeah, for a couple of years. And, yeah, and those, <laughs> those have not hit as of like the last three, four years. So I don't know how how good that is. But I, I think this is the year, yeah, that someone else makes the jump. And I think the Vikings can do it. it it's a matter of if their uh, defense can hold up, if their defense can keep them in these games. Because the offense is definitely going to put up enough points to do that. I'm, I'm big on Kirk Cousins. I think Washington really fucking you know and, and listen like Cousins gets a lot of shit and and some of it is well deserved but it's because he's absolutely the corniest dude you'll ever fucking corny he's dude the, the whole grilled, prime time grilled, thing is like easy to make fun of I mean the guy that that put tinfoil down on his grill to, to put steaks on top of the tinfoil that's all you need to know guy's a fucking loser but he's pretty good at football I mean he did win a road playoff game at the Superdome <laughs> It did, you know. I that, think that was like thing it. that happened. That was, so that was with that was with Diggs, you know, one of the best receivers in the NFL. But true, but he's got now Jefferson now. is arguably better. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. I'm I'm high on the Vikings. I love him week one for sure. All right, three more games to get to. As uh, let's go to Nashville, where we have the New York Giants as a six and a half point road dog against the Tennessee Titans. Total in this game of just 43 and a half, excuse me, five and a half is the number it appears. So I think a little bit of money coming on the road dog and big blue. Uh, but Alex, here's another kind of sit back, take a look at the box score, see where we're at type game for me, at least from a point spread perspective. I do think Tennessee's a sneaky kind of quasi contrarian survivor pool pick. If you're one of those people that likes to kind of maybe take the third or fourth most popular pick and root against the top two. At least that's something I like to do in survivor contests, knowing that everybody's going to be on the jets. Everybody's going to be on Baltimore. I think, and I personally don't like taking road teams and we have the jets on the road, excuse me, not the jets and Baltimore. Everybody's going to be on Baltimore at the jets. Everybody's going to be on Indy at the Texans. Uh, You know, I think this is, excuse me, the Broncos Broncos. Yeah, exactly. That's another one road team. So this is probably the best home team to take in a survivor contest this week. And let's not forget, by the way, Tennessee was one of the teams that had the most injuries in the league last year. And Mike Vrabel won coach of the year. So, you know, say we want about Ryan Tannehill and he obviously laid an egg in the playoff game against Cincinnati. But uh, Tennessee wins games in the regular season. So, uh, you know, again, I, I and these are the games they do win. You know, this is why they're a playoff team seemingly every year under variable and, you know, last year, a one seed. So I trust them to win this game. I don't know if they're going to cover this number because it's another year in which I find myself saying the same thing is Derrick Henry really just this superhuman guy. That's not going to feel any wear and tear given how many carries he takes every single season. Obviously week one, that's less of a concern than, you know, week 11, week 12, if he does start to wear down. But, uh, you know, when we're talking about exploratory, you know, poke around, see what it's like offenses. They did trade A.J. Brown and they bring in Traylon Burks. They bring in Robert Woods. 
all could be fine and dandy there, but how do the targets get distributed? What's the run pass ratio like? I, you know, I'd like to see all that. And, and they did draft Malik Willis, not saying he's going to come in and play this game right away, but you know, Ryan Tannehill ever since he got to Tennessee, uh, you know, cause remember he was on the other op- other end of this where he was supplanting Marcus Mariota. Now there's a guy behind him. So curious how that plays out season long as well. Um, is Tannehill is Tannehill a dick for what he what he said he didn't want to help the rookie learn because he doesn't. Want I, to I think some of that was a little kind of an asshole. You know, take it and run with it and look for a quote because he said that in like June. So yeah, that's fair. That was also kind of like a slow news time. But anyway, I think the Titans will win this game. Wouldn't be surprised if the Giants covered. Giants though, it is if you want to you know get on the first year coach fade train. The Giants have been one of the worst teams in the league. Even if you like the Brian Dable hire, Giants are trying to take take a little bit from the the Bills brain trust, not just with Dable, but the general manager, Joe Shane, had worked in Buffalo. So that's what they're trying to do here, trying to, uh, you know, Daniel Jones, you know, turn him into Josh Allen again. Good luck with that. Um, the wide receiver room for the Giants definitely leaves a lot to be desired. Kenny Galladay was very disappointing. Uh, it has been so far in his Giants career. Uh, and so I think that the point I'm making is I don't know that either team really scores a ton here. And so under could certainly be a good look. Uh, but I, I don't know what the Giants are. Are they any better than they've been in years past? They may not. Probably not. So <laughs> Probably that's my you know, maybe if you want to invest enough in Dable and, you know, Saquon Barkley bouncing back and the Giants able to keep this game close and they've had some good defenses statistically the last few years. Okay, maybe they could cover. Uh, but I think Tennessee is a good teaser leg and uh, will win the game if you want to use them in a survivor contest. Yeah, this is another one of those wait and sees. I hate to say, you know, people want picks and. I like to have a lot of action on these games, especially because this is the four o'clock window. There's only four games, and I don't love the Chiefs Cardinals already. I don't love this game either. It's ultimately a wait and see. I would strongly lean the under just based on how the Titans play. And the Giants have had surprisingly pretty strong defenses with not the best personnel. I must speak to the coaching and I just think the Giants offense leaves a lot to be desired. Like you mentioned, the the wide receiver room. There's not too much going on in there. Danny Dimes, we're not super high on him. Although he does do better on the road. That's one That's of the right. like, that, good in this spot. Yeah, he's just sneaky good on the road. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if they keep this game close and covered, but I think this is gonna be one of those uglier lower scoring games. Feels like 43 and a half is a little high. I'd probably look to the under. I might convince myself I'm betting it come Sunday just because it's on. So maybe the under. I do agree. I think the Titans win, but it could get ugly. Let's go to Sunday Night Football now. Wrap things up with the primetime games. Tampa Bay, a two and a half point road favorite. Jerry World against the Cowboys. Total of 50 and the hook. Talk about how the top of the NFC just feels like even with Green Bay and Tampa Bay and the Rams, there's question marks. Well, with 
Oh, yeah, you're right. Good call. I, I did miss a game uh, in the late window. Uh, so let's do that uh, as before we get to Tampa and Dallas. Uh, we have another divisional dog in week one as the Las Vegas Raiders head to Southern California. Uh, and uh, if week one goes as bad for the Rams as it does the Chargers, well, then the Raiders will be a good play on Sunday because the Raiders are catching three in the hook. Total in this game sitting at 52. High total, no surprise here between two offenses that we, you know, in all these AFC West games, get used to high totals. Uh, I like the Raiders. I, I think that they're a team that, you know, made the playoffs one ten games and then adds Devontae Adams. A lot to like there. Uh, we do a first-year coach, though, so we kind of have colliding trends here with divisional week one dog, but also a week one coaching debut with Josh McDaniel. So, for that reason, it's probably going to be a stay away. As I said, the Raiders roster really, I think, is good. And it's a 10-win team that adds Devontae Adams on offense and Chandler Jones on defense. What's not to like about that? Uh, so with all that said, you could also sell me on it being a revenge game for the Chargers. Given week 18 last year, last game of the season, probably the best game of the NFL regular season uh, in which the Raiders win. Uh, at I think at the overtime buzzer to should go have been to the a playoffs. tie. Remember that's that? right. Yeah, because there was that whole Steelers. Yeah, they would have gotten in if it was a tie. So um, I, I'll probably pay a pass. Excuse me from a betting standpoint, but this should be a fun one. Uh, you know, as as it will be almost any time two AFC West teams collide. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really fun game. I would also lean the Raiders as well, but I'm really high on the Chargers this season. I like what they did in the offseason. They brought in Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson, although it looks like Jackson is probably not going to play. He hasn't practiced this week, so that's a concern. That's a really strong corner that they brought in. If he was playing, I might look to the under. I still might. feels a tick high, but like you mentioned, he's AFC West teams, these games are going to all be shootouts. going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, I would have to lean the Chargers getting the, the three in the hook. really like getting the field goal and the hook here. Yeah, I, I, I would have to lean Raiders and potentially the under. Not, nothing strong. I, I don't think I'll be playing this. Well, I'll tell you this is a uh, not that anybody cares about my fantasy team, but uh, as somebody that I care about Devontae Adams, I definitely like the fact that J.C. Jackson might not play. And uh, first round, uh, yeah, he was my I had the last pick in the first round and took Adams. Um, Nice, kind of feeling that college hookup with uh, Carr. And uh, is that is that like too much to you know too much hype? Is that like too much to Right oh, about that's like, like a like media shoving it down our yeah. throats thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there definitely could be some uh, of that, but I guess I was guilty. We still only had a couple months of, of practice together. But if yeah. anyone can do it, it's, it's Adams. He's one of the best receivers. Yeah. Also, was against Gabe Davis and had Dawson Knox tonight, so that was not a good start to the 2022 uh, fantasy campaign. So hopefully Adams can have a big game for me. But anyway. Let's get to uh, that game I mentioned to earlier that I uh, wanted to circle back to. Tampa at Dallas. Uh, Tampa, two-and-a-half-point road chalk. Total of 50 in the hook. 
And Alex, it's one of those games where I look at both of these teams and say, well, a lot of questions here with Tampa. As we said, the top of the NFC has some blemishes. We already saw it with the Rams. Tampa losing offensive linemen left and right due to retirement. Uh, Alex Coppa signs with the Cincinnati Bengals in the offseason. Uh, and Ryan Jensen is hurt. So, like, they're, they're, you know, they're losing guys there in the trenches. Tom Brady's older, and, you know, that's obviously bad if it was normal Tom Brady. But, you know, what do we make of the whole offseason saga that transpired with him, you know, even recently? You know, he just seemed to be, you know, he looked to be aging a little bit at the, in these press conferences. You know, whatever the hell went on off the field with Giselle. You know, yeah, rumors with his wife, like divorce rumors. I think that's something you have to put. I think you have that. to consider it, right? Because, yeah, yeah it be might not impact him how he plays the game, but it also easily could be something in the back of his mind. And you know, I've heard people floating around the idea, and it might sound crazy, but maybe does he retire in the middle of the season if he doesn't really feel he has it anymore and you know wants to try and save his marriage if that's going south? Like. I don't know. There's a lot going on here, it seems like. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think the off-the-field stuff can't be stressed enough. That has to be weighing on him a ton. And he's already accomplished everything he needs to and probably wants to. And like I, I said, guess not once he came back. On the offensive line, Chris Godwin yeah. coming back from a knee injury, is he going to just come back and be himself right away? And and he didn't practice, so I, I think he might not play. Godwin likely is out. And then, yeah, the offensive line stuff is my biggest concern because that is probably one of the biggest weaknesses. That's really how teams scheme against Brady is that interior pressure. Right. And not having their center and then their two guards. Their entire interior offensive line is different than it was last season. I think that is absolutely massive. And the Cowboys, their defensive line is pretty strong. I mean, Parsons is off the edge, but still, I think they can wreak havoc. I saw a good trend with Dak Prescott. He's 12-3 and three straight up at home and 10-5 and five against spread at home in primetime games. I really like Dallas here. I think this is a great teaser leg as well. I grabbed the oh, Cowboys and the Vikings. I, I took both them. I don't love teasers. but Yeah, because that's a good point. Like, if Tampa wins, I don't think they blow them out. Exactly. And you can get Dallas through both key numbers. You can get them up to eight and a half with a plus six teaser. Yeah, I, I think this is a great leg. If there's any others you like, maybe throw the Texans in there. I threw the Vikings. Could also potentially talk about up over the seven, yeah. yeah but yeah i went i went cowboys and vikings in a teaser and i also i really like dallas to win outright and i think this game goes under i i just don't see the ball oh, i like a lot of that i like that under quite a bit now that i think about it more with the concerns about brady that we talked about in tampa's offense and Dallas, you know, the, they got their own offensive line problems. They had to bring in Jason Peters with Tyron Smith's injury. And, you know, they, you know, jettisoned Lyle Collins and Connor Williams. So they had some changes on the offensive line. Obviously, uh, they're devoid exactly. of Amari Cooper. And, so, you know, they bring in. I don't know if you, if you see Jerry Jones. He gives, you know, like weekly radio specials. But yeah, he is so high on Zeke. 
and I'm so fucking low on Zeke. <laughs> the fact that he had, he got Tony Pollard right there waiting, who was way more explosive, way better out of the backfield. But as an underbetter, this might be one of my favorite plays of the week. Like just run Zeke into the fucking line every time, and then Tom Brady getting pressured up the middle. I would look to sacks over as a game prop. I don't know what the number will be. I don't know if you can bet that yet. But just sacks in general over for both teams. And then Donder. Like, this is a really high total at 50 and a half. I, I don't see this. Yeah, game it's got to be like this. some like primetime inflation. And, you know, I guess right. they'll have some explosive players. If be a lore. You know, the allure of both these offenses, like both were really, really good last season. Right. I think this is just. But it just way doesn't feel inflated. like situationally, this is a spot where either team scores a lot. No, not at all. I I don't think this is surpassing fifty. This this feels like uh like twenty four twenty, twenty seventeen even. I don't see the Bucks scoring a ton. I yeah. Don't love yeah, their, I don't. like. Bringing in an aging Julio Jones, I think that's gonna that's gonna clear up their that's offense. Gonna, I think, yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't see it at all. All right, let's wrap up Monday Night Football. Russell Wilson revenge game as Denver travels to Seattle as a six and a half point road favorite. Total of forty four in the hook. Alex, Denver's another team where I just look at it and say, all right, let me see it because let's be honest, Russell is not old. But he's not young, and he started, I think, you know, he did get hurt, but he did, I think, start to show a little more of a human side to him in terms of, you know, on the football field. He wasn't this, you know, superhuman type guy that we've seen at times with Seattle. And, you know, you could argue, well, you know, they didn't let him cook, and, you know, Carroll hampered him with the play calling. It seemed like that was definitely a big part of him wanting to move on. But yeah, he still I, had way better weapons in Seattle than he's right. going to have on Denver. You know, right? So maybe I, not I, in the I, running game, but overall. Yeah. So, you know, and, and we have another first year coach here, Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, we don't know if he can do anything, you know, Matt, Matt LaFleur only is what on year three or year four on that Packer job. And he's already got a coaching tree. So I, I don't really, know what to make of Denver. If I had to, you know, that AFC West, we talked about a little bit with the Raiders Chargers where like every game is going to be crazy and fun to watch. I think Denver right now would be my odd team out there. You know, maybe there's going to be a second team out and only two make the playoffs, but Denver feels like an easy underachiever for 2022 in my book. So I'm definitely not running to lay nearly a touchdown on the road with them. Uh, It's just a matter of how much you believe that Seattle can kind of muck this thing up protect the ball. We know they're going to want to run a lot and, you know, get a big play here or there from one of the wideouts. That's the path to a Seattle cover. I really don't like this side. 44 and a half seems about right for the total. It's kind of one of the middling totals of the week where you look at it and say, you know, we, we kind of shrug our shoulders at a lot of the Denver offense and think, well, there's some guys there, but I don't think they're going to be a high flying offense. And we look at Seattle as more of a ball control game management offense. So you end up landing on 44 and a half and it feels like a good number for the total. So I hate to say it because it is the first Monday night football game of the season. 
feels like kind of a boring Monday night game in which, you know, everybody's just waiting until we get to the handshake at the end of the game between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, right? <laughs> that might be the most exciting aspect of this game. I completely agree. I was looking at futures earlier, and to see that the Broncos to win the AFC West are plus 260, and then the Raiders are plus 650. That feels egregious that the that the Raiders are that much lower than the Broncos. I'm I'm not very high on the Broncos this season. I think Russ is good. I think what you said is correct. Even before he got hurt, just was looking just inaccurate. I understand that that Seattle team was not good, but like I mentioned earlier. They have way better weapons, at least at receiver. And I would argue the running backs are fairly comparable. Tight ends are fairly comparable. They swap tight ends with Noah Fan coming over. I think the Seattle weapons are arguably better than, than Denver's. So this is all <laughs> yeah. about the quarterback. Like, I, I don't think there's a huge drop-off. I know the Denver defense was actually a really surprising unit last year. Actually did pretty well, you know, being on the field a ton with bad offensive play. So I could see that, but six and a half just feels high. The total, like you mentioned, it feels pretty spot on. I would have to look to the under, if anything. I'm not going to play it. I think, you know, it's a standalone Monday night. We'll have something. First Probably touchdown. Like a, yeah, first touchdown. Exactly. I was going to say, just give me some long shot, like 10 to 1 guy, first touchdown. And I'll be it, and I'll turn it off. <laughs> yeah, we're not riding with you, Broncos country. Sorry. Sorry. We will not be riding. There he is, Alex Uplinger, manages our podcast account at full underscore slate underscore pod. I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. Alex, good to get another one in the books, uh, and uh, looking forward to week two already. Week one hasn't even got hasn't even finished. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm already looking at at week two lines. I'm looking yeah, at the look Steelers. Ahead, you know, Sunday Steelers. night, maybe jump on our uh, spaces and talk talk openers. Yeah, definitely. Let's let's chat. Everyone should join us on the spaces Sunday night. We'll look at these uh, week two lines. Looking at the Steelers plus one hundred five at home against the Patriots. There we it's go. Interesting. Already looking at his chops. <laughs> That's right. All right, Alex. Enjoy your weekend, my man. See you, buddy. All right. He's Alex Uplinger. I'm Greg Frank. Again, this has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Everyone, enjoy the return of the National Football League. And, of course, please play responsibly. <laughs>